like, you know, the opening credits when it's like the like all of the old footage and everything and it's just going You know? I think you just did it. You think I did it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll go with that then. <laughs> Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where I love you, but please die. <laughs> I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 2004 satire thriller, The Stepford Wives. Ah, the Stepford Wives. First, I gotta tell you guys to make sure and go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't done so already, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a good or bad review. Do it. <laughs> Ross is becoming impatient. Uh, you should see my eyes. <laughs> We want to hear from you, please, with a question mark, maybe. But we just want to know what you like, what you don't like, so that we can make the show better for you. Tear me apart. Take your inventory. We want the criticisms as well as the praises. Exactly. If you want to write us fan or hate mail, you can do so at kicking and spelled out streaming podcast at Gmail. That's kicking and streaming podcast. At Gmail. Uh Uh-oh. Ding, ding, ding. We've got a film based on a film based on a novel. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. This is a remake Mm -hmm. of a horror movie from the 70s. How horror-y is the 1975 version? It's very. It's got all the hallmarks of the '70s horror genre. You know mm-hmm. that thing where nothing happens for the first forty-five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And then a bunch of weird stuff kind of starts happening all at once. Yeah, yeah. Rosemary's Baby. Mm. <laughs> apt example. Apt yeah. example. This this film. This film is fried. Uh huh. And there's it's fried for a number of reasons, <laughs> which we shall detail along our acid trip journey down the rabbit hole that is the remake of this movie. Frank Oz? That's number one for me. Frank. Uncle Frank is back. Oz. Why is he the director? Why? I love him, but why? I don't know. I, I, why did he take on this project? Also, am I right? That's so weird. What? Well, the composer's name is David Arnold, but I got big Danny Elfman vibes. Right. From this, from this score. Big names. We got big names. Oh yeah. We've got Glenn Close. Glenn, Glenn Close. Nicole Kidman. Absolutely. Uh, Bet fucking Midler. Bet's back. Bet Midler. Christopher Walken. Ugh. Who is an old creepy cartoon. He's like Steve Buscemi. Buscemi? Buscemi. Shimmy. Buscemi. Yeah, Buscemi. He pronounces it Buscemi. Oh, Buscemi? Yeah. It's Lithgow. Okay, Lith- Lithgow, but all right. <laughs> Steve, he and Steve Buscemi both look like human cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you look like a human cigarette. Oh my God. Where are you, Christmas? I think I found you. Oh, we've got Faith Hill, Yeah, Faith Hill's in the past. I I was really wondering why you were singing. I love her to death, but she's only here to look pretty. I know. Um, It's okay. Matthew Broderick? (sighs) Who did not enjoy being in this movie. Really? According to him. Why? He's like, eh, the movie wasn't that thrilling. 
my character's not terribly interesting. It's hilarious. Apparently there was a lot of, like, issues with people not getting along on set. Well, it's a touchy subject. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Feminism needs to not be a touchy subject anymore, folks. But then again, this was 2004. Yeah. Third wave feminism is inherently problematic. That's a whole nother podcast, but Google it, all right? This film didn't make the biggest profit? Oh no, it barely made back its money. So first of all, who the fuck signs off on a $90 million budget? But more importantly, the fact that it only grossed a little over $12 million. I would like to know what they spent $9 million on. That robot dog? I guess. Making Faith Hill's breasts enlarge uh, at will? Ni- ni- uh. Why are we moving? We're moving so that we can be the happiest family in the whole world. Welcome to Stepford. Stepford is the family paradise. It has no crime, no poverty, and no pushing. Good morning, ladies. Wait, you work out dressed like this? Of course. We always want to look our very best. You and Stepford, it seems like a real match. Absolutely. And all of your wives, they're so, um, sizzling. To Stepford! who finds all of this more than a little disturbing. Aren't you Bobby Markowitz? I love your book. What was it called? It was about your relationship with your mother. I love you, but please die. These women are like deranged flight attendants. This place does something to people. All of the women are always smiling and having incredible sex in the middle of the day with their husbands. And that's a problem because? It's not normal, Walter. Congratulations. Now you're one of us. And Joanna, she's a great gal. Or she will be. Last night I went online and I found out that all of the women here, they used to be CEOs, executives, judges. If you could change something about me by pressing a button, would you? Ever since we met, you've beaten me at everything. You're stronger, you're faster, a better executive, you're even better sex. Don't deny it. I wasn't going to. Imagine if you could streamline your spouse, overhaul every physical flaw. school at the beginning with the credits, right? Mm-hmm. You know, movies nowadays, credits are at the end, not at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got all these old clips from like the 50s and the 60s featuring the kitchenware of the future. It's very Necco wafers. Like, right. <laughs> all of the bright neon coloring. Complete with beautiful models to show it off. Absolutely. I love these opening credits because it's a great precursor to the themes of the rest of the movie. We have this blend of idealistic domesticity coupled with the shiny chrome promises of the future, right? Slow down. I'm I'm not done with my notes. (laughs) Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) Anyway. This great track playing over all of it. (laughs) What you said earlier, it's very Danny Elfman-esque. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think Tim Burton directed the film. 
I think Frank Oz and Tim Burton are from, like, neighboring planets. Maybe not the same planet. Right? Yeah. Let's talk about Joanna Eberhardt. We, we opened the movie at the official preview for the EBS network, and we meet Joanna Eberhardt, mm-hmm. a reality television executive who's at the podium to introduce her new lineup of shows. Ross, tell us a little bit about Joanna's look. She has short red hair. She's thin. She pale. She loves black. And she is really sure of herself. And she's played by the most British Australian that has ever lived, Nicole Kidman. I always forget Nicole Kidman is an Aussie because her accent is flawless. Yeah, she she do a good job. I am so excited. I am so on fire. I am so guts and glory passionate about what I am about to show you. So get ready because on Monday nights, the whole world will be watching a man, a woman, and a buzzer. She's here to introduce her whole new lineup of shows for the network. Mm-hmm. All these little previews. Yes. It's such a weird opening in essence. Mm-hmm. Because the first show we get is called Balance of Power. Yes. Which... I do like Balance of Power. I don't understand what the objective is in Balance of Power. Well, because it just opens with Meredith Vieira asking this couple questions. I'm sorry, the amount of money that probably went into getting celebrities to be in this film? (laughs) Meredith Vieira? Meredith. Maybe that's where the budget went. Meredith Vieira. Who makes more money? I do. Who enters Ironman triathlons every year and wins? I do. Who secretly wishes they were married to a hot, sexy lesbian? I do. I do. It's Tara! I don't understand! I'm I'm sorry, that's funny, because I get that. (laughs) That's almost a throwaway gag, because the real jewel of the crown here is the show I Can Do Better, which is like... (laughs) It's a dating show with, like, a survivor motif. I don't get the survivor motif. I don't either. I I don't understand why it went there. But they drag perfectly happy couples out to these private islands so that they can spend a week apart from each other with professional prostitutes to test the bonds of their marriage. I know it's I know why it's like Survivor. Why? Because it's 2004. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why it's like Survivor. Survivor was everything in 2004. They, 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 they were lampooning something that was prevalent. I love the two people that could do better. <laughs> Hank. One of their names, Hank and Barbara. That's right. Hank and Barbara. From Omaha. From Omaha. And boy, do N- they look it. Omaha N-E. And yes, they look it. He is a dork and she is wearing culottes. We realize they've been here a week and Hank's been hanging out with this sexy model. And he's like, you know, all we did was talk. <laughs> because I love my Barbara. And then everybody's like, aw. And then the host turns to Barbara and he's like, and he's like, you've spent, you've spent the week with a bodybuilder, gymnast, and the cast of a porn film. <laughs> Don't forget about Tonkiro. I think Hank got the raw deal on this one. Because <laughs> all those people walk out and you're like, damn. <laughs> She's had more ass than Levi. <laughs> And now it's time for the final decision. Barbara, it's yours to make. Is it going to be Omaha? Or Omahonks? I love Hank deeply and forever with all my heart. I would never do anything to hurt him. But I can do better! jumps into that bodybuilder's arms. She chooses the merry gang of sex workers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh Uh-oh. 
but who's at the preview event? Oh, yeah. After the promo is over, Hank stands up in the audience. Hank's there. Hank, feeling some emotional distress, takes out a gun and starts firing at Joanna. Mm-hmm. Because Joanna, I'm sorry, has a very glib attitude about this whole thing. Yeah, she herself is very, just like, she's very kooky. She's very passionate about, like... Yeah, this bullshit? <laughs> like, she's very passionate about this... I'll give you that. Me- I'll give you that. Mediocre work, you know? What was that word? Mediocre. <laughs> We're not going to drag her for being passionate, but we are going to drag her for being passionate about reality television. Mm -hmm. She doesn't understand that she did fundamentally ruin this man's life. Like, granted, his wife didn't pick him, not Nicole Kidman, but Mm -hmm. she played a part in it. This is true. But executive producers, man, you know, they just get shuffled around like cards. Like She was getting ready to be shuffled, do you think? I think so, because... Now she has to go see Dumbledore. Yeah. (laughs) She has to go to the headmaster's office. Joanna, are you all right? I am great. Raring to go. The police were sensational. And not a scratch. You haven't heard. (laughs) About what? This is where we find out that Barbara, since the taping, has had like four new boyfriends and Hank shot all of them. Oh. And her. Oh. She's in the hospital. Oh. She may die. Oh. And like Joanna's just like... It's like she's not hearing her. Yeah. All Joanna can think about, really, is the ratings they're going to get out of it. Mm. You're not listening. We can't wear this. The lawsuits alone may bankrupt the network. And all your new shows, the whole lineup, the affiliates won't touch them. We have shareholders. We can't let you sink the network. What What is happening is that she's, in so many words, being fired. Mm. Without her saying... You're fired. Like, it's just not sinking in. Like, she doesn't realize this is that meeting. Right? (laughs) And when she finally gets it, the evolution of her facial expression. so funny. Oh, my God. Like, she's just like, guys, I'm sure it's broken up in clips on YouTube. (laughs) Like. Go watch it. The transformation that Nicole Kidman does on the face. She, like, cycles through every single expression she has Mm -hmm. before she just gives this. (laughs) <laughs> tight little smile. It's a very manic, tight little smile. She manages to rein in all of her feelings before making a very calm exit. She's like grabbing her bag from her assistant. She's like, bye, everybody. All the best. And she gets in the elevator and the elevator doors close. <laughs> Long story short, Joanna has a complete nervous breakdown. Wouldn't you? (laughs) (laughs) She's in the hospital. We see her husband, Walter, visiting her. Matthew Broderick, who, like I said at the top, was not a big fan of being in this movie. I love him, though. (laughs) Walter quit his job at the network because they fired Joanna, and he didn't want to work for those people anymore. Mm -hmm. It's a nice gesture. It's probably the most that I'll think of Walter for the whole movie. Yeah. Joanna says something very interesting to me in this scene. She looks at Walter and she goes, Maybe that man who tried to shoot me, maybe he was right. Maybe I've become the wrong kind of woman. Maybe I've made all of the wrong decisions. (laughs) She's definitely the wrong kind of person because she makes her trade in lies and exploitation. But saying wrong kind of woman, that's a whole nother thing. There is no wrong way to be a woman. So the family, Joanna, Walter, 
their two unremarkable children. <laughs> They're practically irrelevant in this movie, by the way. Yeah. We see the kids like twice. Yeah, the kids are very sparse. <laughs> Uh, they decide they're going to move to a place in Connecticut called Stepford. I have in my notes, bad writing is bad. <laughs> but why are we moving to Connecticut? We're moving so that we can all kick back and have a great new life in this beautiful new town. It's weak. <laughs> Come on, Paul Rudnick, it's weak. Ross, can you roughly describe the community of Stepford for us? Stepford? Hmm. For my Indiana locals, have you ever heard of a place called Carmel? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Or if you're a Parks and Rex fan, have you ever heard of a place called Eagleton? Right? Those gated communities with the humongous, perfect houses mm-hmm. and the beautifully manicured lawns. Mm-hmm. And they have the health spas and the golf clubs and... All that stuff that I never get a chance to take part in. On the way here, I drove through Meridian Hills, and I kind of heard the Stepford theme in my head a little bit. (laughs) A little inspiration. So a bunch of Republican fairies live together in this little garden called Stepford. Right. And um, it's very very time-altering. This may be 2004, but it might as well be 1954. Exactly. Like, it's very, uh, all of the florals and gardens and the trimmed hedges. The white picket fences. The fences, the gates. It makes me all nervous. (laughs) It makes me sweaty. You don't trust rich white people? It makes me think someone's going to be mad at me for being there. Mix seriously. (laughs) They pull up to their new house and they meet their realtor, Mrs. Claire Wellington, played by who, Ross? Glenn Close. Right? The town is over 200 years old. It was founded by George Washington and Martha just loved it. Stepford is Connecticut's family paradise. It has no crime, no poverty, and no pushing. Claire Wellington. Also, Glenn Close looks great. Oh, I know. Like, she's defied age. Yeah. In this role, I feel like. She, her waist? Itty bitty. It's itty bitty. She got an eye lift for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, holy moly. And she's got, it's gotta be a wig. The blonde hair? The blonde hair. Claire is showing them this ridiculous house. It's a smart house. Yes. Which in 2004 was something of the future. It's changing exteriors and doing your dishes and all that good stuff. It flushes the toilets? And we're halfway on our way to having these kinds of houses. <laughs> I like to think about it. Like, we can already, there's already, we already have the capability to control the lights, the heating and the air conditioning from an app on our phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Future! <laughs> these are things you don't think about. <laughs> right? But because you don't have the luxury. <laughs> but, like, wow. No, yeah, you're right. That, that, that's people who are privileged enough mm-hmm. have those capabilities. Wow! Can we talk about the dog, the Robo Rover Three Thousand? Why? Okay, this, <laughs> it's things like this that make this movie bad. Okay, <laughs> because here's the thing, guys. Love the movie. Really fried. Really bad. Oh my god! It's so bad. It's good. I love it. Do not come for me. Like the thing is, it has a really like it's so bad. It's hilarious. Like they do it really well. It is a satire. It it is satire, but it's shot very very well. And I think 
I think they do a good job, but it know, was not received well. It just no, it did not go over well with the people. <laughs> The powers that be. With the people buying tickets for it in 2004. But yeah, Robo Rover 3000. Mm -hmm. That thing like barks Mm -hmm. and then it just falls end over end down the stairs. Like, oh look, it's the puppy. Robo Rover 3000. Come on, boy, come on. Come on, come on. Like, oh, something went wrong. (laughs) Better distract you. (laughs) I can't get over it. The mania. The mania that is in this film. It's funny. I'm a little unsure on the timeline here. Like, I don't know if they were moving in that day or what's going on. But, like, Joanna wakes up the next morning and the house is fully furnished. Yeah. Like, overnight, like magic. I don't trust that. I don't trust that at all. Like, what the fuck is this? She didn't have any follow-up questions about that? Nuh-uh. It's probably 7.30 in the morning, and Claire is already on her doorstep ready to show her around. (laughs) Kids! (coughs) Time to go to school! Claire is a very put-together lady. True to the Stepford Wives stereotype. That's one way of putting it. That is one way of putting it. (laughs) She never leaves the house without being completely made up. Like she's ready for a photo shoot. Regardless of where she's going. The thing, she's in some very nice baby pink this day. Yeah. (laughs) And the pearl earrings. Uh, And the headband. uh, (laughs) Joanna is wearing sweat clothes. Yes. (laughs) It's quite the contrast. Uh, But she just woke up. I mean, come on. They begin to drive through Stepford. And they pass. It looks like Hill House from The Haunting. (laughs) It does. What is that? Up on the hill. Well, that's our Stepford Men's Association, where all our wonderful guys can get together and stay out of our hair. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) Where do the women go? To the Simply Stepford Day Spa. You love this scene. Okay. When they walk on in there, like when they're pulling up, it's very Danny Elfman. It's like, oh, what the f- It's like, I am the I am the big mouth ladybug in this moment. I'm like, oh, shit, what the fuck we gonna see? <laughs> and then they go inside. It's supposed to be like a gym, kind of. Like, they walk in, and there are just women. Yeah. Women gathered. On- <laughs> they're all together. In a group against the mirror on the other side of the room. I think that's super creepy because it reminds me of that thing that Asmanov says in iRobot about how robots will seek each other out rather than stand alone. Yeah. It makes me think about the Silent Hill nurses. Right? (laughs) And they've all got batons. And they're in derby day dress. Like, oh, yeah. The, the gorgeous sundresses and their hair done all perfect. Uh-huh. Wearing high heels? Wait, you work out dressed like this? Well, of course. Whatever we do, we always want to look our very best. I mean, why imagine if our husbands saw us in worn, dark, urban sweat clothes with stringy hair and almost no makeup. I love this because she's literally describing what yeah, Joanna's wearing. No, like Glenn, she turns around, Claire turns around and ats her directly. <laughs> no subtweeting there. No. It, she was added and oh told you God. look like a schlub. 
Claire has devised for herself and the Stepford Wives, because she's, you know, like the alpha queen of the Stepford Wives, she has designed a system of workouts based on home cleaning. (laughs) She turns on the stereo and it's playing... You know, it's the it's the Bee Gees rendition of Beethoven's ninth, fifth, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Ross absolutely loves this part because I piss my pants. I lose my mind thinking this is Glenn Close, <laughs> Academy Award winner. How much money did it take to get her to do this? All right, now it's time to slim and scrub. Let's all be washing machines and They are barely moving. They are not breaking a sweat. And she's like, do it. Come on, do it. And then Joanne just throws her hands up. She's like, I'm good. I'm good. You guys go ahead. (laughs) In the next scene, we're at Stepford's annual 4th of July picnic. Yeah. Looks like a party you'd love. Absolutely. But like, remember all the 4th of July picnics we went to as kids? No. Exactly. I love how almost everybody is in their pastels, and Joanna is in this little black cocktail dress. Anna Winter would not be impressed. She sure wouldn't. She's determined to be here for ten minutes and then leave. Me everywhere. (laughs) This is where we meet Bobby Markowitz, the Carrie of this movie. Listen, guys. I need to tell you how painful it is. I need to tell you how painfully accurate it is. Bobby Markowitz... Is a an acclaimed writer and alcoholic. Exactly. You're not an alcoholic. Not yet. Stop. <laughs> and she is, uh, I, I, th- I think she's known for her very progressive agenda. Um, her liberal agenda. Yeah, fem lib. She is a caricature of women's lib. Bobby makes an appearance because they've also just recently moved to Stepford. Who knew Bette Midler would come back so quickly? We just did Hocus Pocus a couple weeks ago. I love her placement here. I know. You know what I mean? Like, she she has range. She and Joanna are very big fans of each other. Yes, they are. Because Bobby knows that she is a high-powered female executive. Uh-huh. And Joanna knows that she writes some, some pretty provocative literature. Uh-huh. You're Joanna Eberhardt. Yes. You got such a raw deal. Aren't you Bobby Markowitz? Yes, I love your books, especially the last one. What, what was it called? It was about your relationship with your mother. I love you, but please die. Oh. Like you said, we meet Bobby's husband, Dave, played by John Goddamn Lovitz, who is immediately annoyed with Bobby. Yeah. They're always carping back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> did you do the laundry? No, I finished a chapter. Where are the kids? What kids? Our kids. <laughs> She's so funny. Bobby takes Joanna over to the baked goods table, and this is where we meet Roger Bannister. I love it when actors play characters with their names. Like their real given names? Yeah, like, (laughs) I love it when that happens. Because he's played by Roger Bart. Yes. And Roger is a flamboyant homosexual. No, yeah. This was back in the days when people didn't know how to treat the gays in movies. So they were all caricatures and jokes. Exactly. Yeah. Because... Roger is, like, always at a nine. 
Yeah. You know like, what I mean? I don't like the stereotype that all gay people are just annoyingly loud and the center of attention. Do you know how many gays suffer in silence? Come on. Roger might be my favorite character, no, though. No, yeah, he's he's fun. He's, he's problematic. <laughs> he's he's a lot of fun. Because he comes up to the table. It's like some sort of heavenly diorama at the Smithsonian in the Hall of Homemakers. Oh, no. No, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. That is not cobbler. Roger, could, oh. we, could we reel it in like a couple of hundred yards? How do you ladies keep your figures? Is there just a huge vat of cobbler vomit somewhere? Like that? That line <laughs> makes me go, okay. <laughs> He's married to a man named Jerry Harmon, right? Yes. I have a good noodle star for you. Okay. If you can tell me, it's, this might be an easy one. Who knows? Can you tell the actor who is playing Jerry Harmon, can you give me the name of the movie that we've already covered with him in it? The Devil Wears Prada. Very good! Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, He's Andy's dad. That's right! Uh-huh. Richard Sachs. That's uh-huh. good job! Yeah. I am genuinely impressed. I, I, I was like, oh, I'm not gonna get it. And I was like, <laughs> oh! Yeah, that's David Marshall Grant playing Jerry Harmon. And Jerry is constantly annoyed with Roger's flamboyance. Yeah. He's always like, uh, Roger, can we reel it in a couple hundred yards? Like, you're like, what is this couple doing in Stepford? Like, I get the other two couples, but this third new couple, I'm just like... They're in a conservative community. Yeah, but they're totally gay. Exactly. Like, they're big old gays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not Jerry. Well... Jerry is embarrassed of Roger's flamboyance. This is true. Bobby, Joanna, and Roger all meet, and they're all familiar with each other's careers. It's like all at once, they found their little tribe in this strange community. Because they seem to be the only non-conservatives in the entire town. Yeah, no, this is literally... This is literally all the theater kids in church. Like... (laughs) Like... Now it's time for some square dancing. Led by Claire. Yeah. <laughs> Again, another ridiculous thing that Glenn Close did for money. Yes. Joanna is doing her best to have a good time, but she's kind of in general just being a downer. Yeah. And look, I get it. These people would freak me out too. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, this woman named Sarah Sunderson. Which is very close to Sarah Sanderson. You think so? And I wish it would have been so, but (laughs) Faith Hill. Yeah. (laughs) Sarah starts spinning out of control on the dance floor. It's like she's stuck, like a record player. Yeah. This whole part is just like, ah, 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 what's happening? Because she's obviously a robot that's shorting out. Everyone is gathering around Sarah, and this is where we meet Mike Wellington. Played by who, Roz? Christopher Walken. (laughs) He's like the community's unofficial mayor. Mm -hmm. And he's married to Claire, Glenn Close. True. Joanna wants to call an ambulance, but Mike just wants to put her into his Hummer, which is a very 2004 sentence. Yeah. 
She'll be fine. It's it's too much sun. She's dehydrated. Dehydrated? Are you crazy? Joe, sorry about this, Mike. Joanna? Joanna? This is a very special moment. I would like you to meet... Mike Wellington. My husband. Later that night, Joanna and Walter are fighting about the fact that this place is definitely weird. Yeah. She, she was sparking, Walter. She was dancing. <laughs> He seems a little too nonchalant about all the fried shit happening around them. And he is super resentful of her because the whole reason they uprooted their lives was over her breakdown, right? Yeah. And now that they're here, she's, in his view, not trying to get better. Yeah. She's not leaning into the relaxing lifestyle. Because this is not fucking relaxing. (laughs) I'm sorry. Everyone is smiling and perfect. Like, I'm scared. (laughs) Walter! And why did everyone just automatically listen to that mic person? And why? Why was everyone just standing there? Why weren't they just listening to you? That's not what I'm saying. Jesus Christ, Joanna. What? You were fired. Your kids barely know you, and our marriage is falling apart. And your whole attitude makes people want to kill you. It makes people try to kill you. I go back and forth about Walter a lot through this movie, because at the beginning, I really think he does love her just the way she is, and that she's she may be a little hard to get along with. But then after he meets these other husbands, I think is when he starts to kind of get corrupted. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like they introduced him to this whole new way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Because even at this point, he doesn't know that the women are robots. Walter asks her for a divorce, which makes Joanna get down off her hind legs and say, what? Yeah, it's very... (laughs) Very direct. Listen, he's gross, but she doesn't have the right to act confused. Yeah. (laughs) Joanna basically has this realization under herself that she's too driven and she needs to calm down and try to embrace the Stepford lifestyle. She gonna be a wife. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Walter's got a few rules for that. First of all, we're in the country now, so no more black. No more black, are you insane? You heard me. Only high-powered, neurotic, castrating Manhattan career bitches wear black. Is that what you want to be? Ever since I was a little girl. Me! Yeah, very honest, very pure. The next day, Bobby, Joanna, and Roger are hanging out. This whole movie, in addition to many things, it's also this commentary about Manhattan dwellers who move to the suburbs and become completely different people. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in the city, I've seen movies. It's a lot of, I'm walking here. And like people say, you never meet your neighbors. Everybody's super detached and apathetic in the city. And then you move to the suburbs and you're all of a sudden supposed to get along with your neighbors. Uh These Stepford women, they're a whole other dimension. Oh, like yesterday, that poor lady, Sarah Sunderson. We should go see her. Why? Because we need to be supportive. That's how people behave outside of Manhattan. They care about each other. I mean, if you were in New York and one of your neighbors got sick, what would you do? We'd call her. To see if she was going to die. So we can get the apartment. Joanna decides that they need to go visit Sarah Sunderson. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, we're going to go see what the fuck happened with that. She's recovering at home from yesterday's episode. So the three decide that they're going to break and end her. Yeah. You know, like you do. Sarah and Herb are having some incredible sounding sex. Yeah, it sounds pretty stellar. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Oh, my God. Is that a DVD? No, it's them.
Hill's fake orgasm is nothing short of hilarious. It's the funny, it's one of the funniest fucking parts of the movie. She screams for like 15 seconds. Yeah. And then Roger, Roger's like starting to go upstairs and like, what are you doing? I'm going up there. Why? Why? I want some. (laughs) Big mood. Oh my God. This is where they find the remote, Ross. Yes. He spies this odd-looking little controller on the ground, which I don't really believe Herb just left it there, but whatever. It's for narrative. And (laughs) he picks it up, and it says Sarah on the bottom of it. Uh And he goes, ooh, why does it say Sarah? And then you hear Herb say, honey... Will you get me, I don't know, a beer or a sandwich or something? And so she's like, yes, dear. And you see Faith Hill begin to walk down the stairs. And they're, like, trying to be quiet. And they're hiding. And they're looking at the remote. And I love the shot of Roger Bart with the remote. And you can see Faith Hill coming down the stairs in the background. And he hits the middle button. (laughs) And Faith Hill stops, dead cold, on the stairwell. He hits another button. Her breasts inflate even more than they already are. He hits another button. She begins to walk backwards up the stairs until she falls on her ass on the landing and you hear the clank of metal as she hits the ground. But they see none of that happen and they just like peace out before they can get caught. Yeah. They go back to Bobby's to reconvene and her house looks exactly like my apartment does now. Yeah, it's very... um. We're in the process of moving. There, yeah. There's things everywhere. Boxes but, are half packed. But you've been moving for 20 years. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's with what, Bobby. <laughs> this is where we start to learn all, that all three of them have their respective problems. Bobby's an alcoholic. Roger's upset that Jerry is a gay Republican and it's affecting their marriage. And Joanna had a breakdown. So this is where Joanna suggests... I know this is unthinkable, but what if we could actually learn how to be happy without Paxil or compulsive overeating? What if we actually gave this whole thing a try for real, the whole Stepford thing? Meanwhile, at the Men's Association, the husbands are all behaving obnoxiously. Of course. Ross, you want to tell me what they're doing? I refuse. You talk about it. <laughs> so. You you talk about this male stupidity going on right here. <laughs> so all of these men. Neanderthals. Yeah. But also, as Bobby will say later, drooling nerds. Yes. Some of whom I'm assuming have a degree in robotics. Yeah. Hint, hint. Like they might have degrees, but buttons for dicks, I'm sure. <laughs> Did anybody out there have any friends who were on the robotics team in high school? <clears throat> that thing where you had to, like, build and design battle bots? For technology's glory! But yeah, and then the robots would be evaluated or whatever. These particular robots have been designed to try and take the bra off another robot. And they're, like, betting on it. Stupid. <laughs> It's the most bro-y thing I've ever seen, and I just hate to see grown men acting that way. Walter is bonding with these husbands because he's envious of their wives and their lives. He's opening up to them about how 
Joanna promised she was going to try and embrace the Stepford lifestyle and they're not going to get divorced. And the husbands are just like, LOL, you think she's really going to change? Yeah, like... Wow, you're a sucker. How long have you been married? (laughs) (laughs) You haven't gotten there yet, bub. This is where the men are going to let Walter in on their little secret. Okay, the flex that takes place during this... Oh, F-L-E-X, flex. Like... (laughs) Because Walter beat Ted in the robot battle, right? Yeah. So Ted now owes Walter 20 bucks. How does Ted procure these funds, Ross? Ted goes, hey, babe. And like, weirdly, you get a shot of the empty doorway into the hall and then just slowly but surely, Charmaine lances into frame. She walks up to Ted. He takes out a bank card and he goes... I need 20. You know my pin? Of course. She puts that card into her mouth, drags it back out, and then this really long, tense period of mechanical clicking happens with all of the men staring at her. (laughs) And you're staring at her and you see her shaking a little bit and you're like, this woman's about to produce $20. (laughs) And you know, she sure does. (laughs) Right out of her mouth. It just slides right out of her mouth. Like an AT fucking M. Do you gag when she hands him the money because... You can see the... Yeah, fuck. Shut up. (laughs) Because you don't like spit. Yeah, you can see the spit glistening on the legal tender. (laughs) Oh, my God. It makes me unwell. (laughs) And you know it makes me unwell. And then, like, that theme starts again, right? This flex? (laughs) All of the men go blank in the face. And they just start standing up and, like, walking closer to Walter. They're waiting to see how he's going to react. This is one of my favorite parts, because Walter's, like, staring, and everybody's, like, walking towards him. She gives singles. <laughs> Just in his little Matthew Broderick voice. From here on out, Walter's a piece of garbage. Yeah. Be- Wal- he officially knows he, now. He's buying into it now. He's like, ooh, I can manipulate and control my wife's every move, action, and thought? This is why the women are so perfect, because they're literally programmed to be that way. Uh Uh-huh. And you're just like, hmm, this is very intricate. Mm -hmm. Wonder how this is all working. Mm -hmm. You know there's going to be some cabin in the woods shit behind this one. (laughs) Later that night, there's a meeting at the Men's Association, and Bobby gets the bright idea that she and Joanna should go spy on the men in their natural habitat. Because why not? Right? I mean... Because there's obviously this cult of secrecy going on up there. Like, the men never talk to their wives about what happens at the men's association. Like, and are they really going to be hanging out with the women? Exactly. Are they really going to be hanging out with the wives? (laughs) It's a special night at the men's association because Roger has actually been invited to the club. Uh Uh-huh. Because in the 2004 mentality... Roger, for being more feminine, is the woman. Yeah. So Jerry's the one that goes to the men's association, Mm -hmm. not Roger. But they invite Roger to the men's association under the guise of welcoming him progressively into the community. Yeah. No, 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 Jerry, you're going to find that Stepford is very open-minded, and we welcome you and your partner just like any other couple. Absolutely. Any other couple. That's right. That's Girlfriend. (laughs) Miss, Miss Thing. (laughs) (laughs) The Stepford! Elsewhere, Bobby and Joanna are trying to break in, and Bobby's laying out why she thinks this is all weird. Come on, let's go. You think this is all right? Sneaking around? Add it up. All the women around here are perfect sex kitten bimbos. All the men 
are drooling nerds. Doesn't that seem strange? Not to me. Why not? I work in television. Oh, come on. They crawl through an upstairs window and start exploring. In the hallway on the second floor, they find all of these ornate family portraits of the families that are in Stepford. You're shaking your head. How freaky is that? It's just, it's just bad. The husbands and the perfect wives and their children, just these elaborate oil paintings. And there's one for every family. But they're all like upstairs in the men's association. Yeah, why? That's weird. Tell me why. Why aren't they in their homes? Yeah. Suddenly they hear footsteps. This is actually probably one of the actual scary moments in the movie. Yeah. You know, they hear footsteps on the stairs and they hide because they're about to be caught. There's a person coming down the hall with a flashlight on and this person gets like within five feet of them and then like just clicks the flashlight off. Clarice. (laughs) Hi, girls. Roger. But it's just Roger. Yeah, it's just Roger. (laughs) It's just Roger with a Silence of the Lambs reference. He gives the women a chance to book it because the rest of the men are behind him on the stairs, right? Uh Uh-huh. They all come up there. And this is where things get really cryptic and weird. Because Jerry looks at Roger and he's like, hey, see that door there on your left? Open it. What's behind the door? We don't find out, of course, because there's 50 minutes left in the movie. Like, and the way he just turns around and he's like... Jerry? Right? And you're like, what the fuck did he see? Like... But we don't find out. All we know is that the next day, Bobby and Joanna can't get a hold of Roger. They're going over to his house, and they're peeking through the windows and knocking on the door. And they notice all the garbage cans by the curb and start going through them. All of Roger's super flamboyant designer shirts are in the garbage. (sighs) The Gucci's. And the Versace. Maybe he's donating them. To what? The gay homeless? Bette Midler has the best lines in this movie. She does. She does. The gay homeless? I'm so happy about her placement in this film. Ross, they find his program from Hairspray. Yeah. That's how you know it's bad. That is how you know it's bad. Oh. And then my favorite, of course, is the Vigo Mortensen t-shirt. Yes. (laughs) Because this is 2004. Like, what, Return to the King had just come out? A year before. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're at a political rally. And Why so did Jerry proud. ask us to meet him here? Proud that I can introduce Deppard's brand new candidate for state senate. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mr. Roger Bannister. Uh, he looks very well put together, red tie. His hair I, is combed. I have, a, he he just looks very, I have big brass balls. He, lo- he looks like a Republican. Yeah, yeah. L- He's been let- turned into a Republican overnight. Bobby and Joanna are looking at each other like, what? You think that they would try to make this happen all at the same time? To prevent this type of stuff from happening. Like, you think they should have grabbed all three of them at once. Yeah, because now that gives more time for the other two to be like, oh, what the fuck, I'm getting out, you know? And that's exactly what happens, because Bobby stands up and she's like, what the hell, queen? Yeah. Who even are you? Yeah. Roger, Roger! Yes, is there a question? Mrs. Markowitz. So, you, you two are happy now? More than ever. Because now I know that being gay doesn't mean a guy has to be effeminate or flamboyant or sensitive. I'm no sissy. (laughs) I know! 
Roger is a different person. He's talking differently, dressing differently, and he keeps addressing Bobby and Joanna as Mrs. Markowitz, uh-huh. Mrs. Cresby. Like, yeah. like he doesn't even know them. He completely dismisses their concerns in front of everyone, and this super culty thing happens where the crowd just starts chanting, You can't stop Stepford! <laughs> This is the last straw for Joanna, who is convinced now that this place changes people. She starts packing bags. Walter is completely writing her off. Roger was witty and stylish and ironic. And I'm sure he still is. Oh, now he's making speeches in a Brooks Brothers suit. Hey, there's lots of ways to be gay. Don't try to make him into a stereotype. <laughs> but I'm like, don't do that, Walter. Yeah. Walter, don't do that. You have no right. You have no right, Walter. You're a piece of garbage. You're a piece of garbage. He's gaslighting her, and I just want to punch him in the face for it. Yeah. That night, Joanna's trying to sleep, and Robo Rover 3000... (laughs) Fucking dog. The dog blew the lid off the whole damn thing. Yeah. Because she rolls over in bed, and the dog has one of those remotes in its mouth. Yeah. And what's it say on the remote, Ross? Joanna. Exactly. Legasp. How fast would you shit yourself? I'd leave. (laughs) You'd leave? I'd leave. I'm sorry. I'd be smart and drive away. I love the music cue that happens there. Just the... "Ah," Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was too good. (laughs) Joanna goes online and starts Googling the names of all the wives in Stepford and finds out that they used to be extremely high-powered career women. Yeah. They were big deals on the outside. On the outside. Yeah, outside of Stepford. Some really acclaimed women. Sarah, who fakes orgasms, she used to run an airline. Yeah. Charmaine, who gives singles, she used to be a judge. Yep. Even the dog is a victim of all of this. Oh, no. She sees that article, it's like, prize terrier missing. Yeah. And you're like, (gasps) oh, my God. The dog. It's very Tim Burton. Exactly. (laughs) There's always a dog. There's always a dog. A dead dog. The next day, Joanna runs over to Bobby's house to talk about what she found. <gasps> she goes into Bobby's house. And There's no hoard. Yeah, the hoard is gone. It's all lovingly furnished. It's in pristine condition. It's in meticulous condition. And your heart just sinks because you know they already got to her. Yeah. And sure enough, there's this long shot of the hallway. And Bette Midler's at the end of it. She ain't in her baggy clothes, curly hair, and glasses no more. No, she's just puttering towards her in perfect little Stepford steps. Got that blue dress on, the white apron, the bottle blonde hairdo. Oh, yeah. She used to have that curly brown hair, Uh and now it's just this pristine blonde bob. It's a blonde bob quaff. Good morning, Joanna. Bet does such a good job I know. at transitioning. Her children appear. Her children that we've only heard about up until this point. Exactly. They all look like their father. That's the only thing I'm going to say. They are all lovest. <laughs> They're on their way to school. She hands them their gourmet lunches. I can't with all of the things that she gives them. Yeah. Where are my action figures? They were out. Yeah. Mom, here's $500. $500. <laughs> yeah. And the kid goes... 
Okay. And I'm just like... Some children live like that. Joanna is literally so upset. Bobby, listen to me. What have they done to you, huh? What have they done to you? Is it drugs? Is it brainwashing? Come on. Hey, talk to me. Of course, but only for a minute. Then I have to get to work on this pigsty. Oh, she can't be bothered. Yeah. She's too busy straightening up. And Joanna's like, Bobby, are you even in there? Blink twice if you can hear me. Yeah. You know, she's trying to tell her, you know, I found out all this shit about all the wives that used to be power women and now they've been turned into something else. This is one of the most important moments in the movie for me because Bobby is now speaking the language of the cult. It's a lesson every gal needs to learn, especially you. I'm your friend, Joanna. I'm going to help you. You need me. You stay away from me. You're driven. Well, sometimes. And you're selfish. You want to rule the world. No. I can fix you. I can change you. What have they done to you? She's touching the stove. (laughs) And it's a lit burner. But she's just touching it. (laughs) She puts her whole hand in the burner. And I love Nicole Kibben just goes, what? Right? (laughs) But she's gone. She's gone. And (laughs) Joanna tries to pick the kids up from day camp. But Walter has already picked them up. Yeah. And Joanna doesn't know where they are. Custodial kidnapping. Yes. So she drives her little manic behind to the men's association to see what's happening. She's greeted by one of those freaky family portraits of her family. Yeah. But she looks different. Yeah. Instead of her short little red bob, she's got this long blonde hair and she's in this dress that she would never wear. Uh She's got that Mona Lisa smile. Yeah. She walks into the rotunda and she's just like, oh, boys. All of the men appear in their smoking jackets and their unearned sense of importance. It's really unbearable. I just, do you just want to scream? I do. I don't, I don't like it at all. Ever since we met, you've beaten me at everything. You're better educated. You're stronger. You're faster. You're a better dancer, a better tennis player. You've always earned at least six figures more than I could ever dream of. You're a better speaker, a better executive. You're even better sex. Don't deny it. I wasn't going to. That's a great piece of writing. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. The toxic masculinity here makes me absolutely crazy. And it's fiction. They do a good job. But this is where I wanted to ask you this question. This is fiction. This is satire. But we know men who are like this. How, as a man, how does it make you feel knowing that there are real men who are like this, who can't stand to be the, quote, lesser partner, who can't stand to be the girl. It makes you upset that there are men that behave that way. It does put you in a place of, I mean, you just have to acknowledge it's not inherent. It's heavily conditioned. It is. It's bred and conditioned and sometimes beat into them. Because you're a big, strong man. (laughs) You're a big, strong man who doesn't cry and provides for his woman and keeps her and loves her and provides for her because she's a shiny, sparkly little trophy. (laughs) She means something. That means you won. 
Right? Yeah. And that's the kind of thing we have to put a stop to. Being a man is too often, too often one lifelong dick measuring contest. Is it exhausting? I can tell you that I have loads more female friends than I do male. Right? Because I can't (laughs) stand men who behave that way. All of us, we marry Wonder Women, Supergirls. Amazon queens. Well, you know what that makes us? Smart. Worthy. Lucky. We're the wuss. The wind beneath your wings, your support system. We're the girl. And we don't like it. No, we don't. Damn right. When he says, we're the girl, I swear to God, I want to flip this table. Yeah. Because it would be horrible to be the girl, right? Mm -hmm. And Joanna's like, is this your answer? To kill us. And Mike's like, no, we we perfect you. We help you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> okay. And this is where it gets very eugenic. This is the beginning of this whole transformation process not making sense. Because Mike insists that the nucleus of these women still exists. Yeah. And... But the behavior in no way reflects that. And Mike has a little uh, show-and-tell aid to explain how this whole process is supposed to work. You mean the the 1950s-esque duck-and-cover style instructional video? Yeah. First, we locate her brain. We insert a few nanochips. Then we program them. Also, we add some secret special ingredients. Spot explicitly says that this behavior modification is achieved by inserting nanochips into the brain. Okay, so put a pin in that because I'm going to come back to it in just a second. Joanna says directly to Walter, Is this what you really want? Women who behave like slaves. Women who are obsessed with cleaning their kitchens and doing their hair. Women who never challenge you in any way. Women who exist only to wait on you hand and foot. And Mike's argument for that is, you're just mad you didn't think of it first. That, ah. It's actually a pretty good line when he's like, while you were busy trying to become men, we became gods. You kind of said it like him, too. I don't like it. (laughs) He became gods. (laughs) Then this table begins to rise out of the middle of the floor. It's all very Han gets encased in whatever, you know? Like, it's very... I was going to say it had kind of a Westworld vibe to it. It gives me the vibes of when Darth Vader takes Han prisoner. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where the confusion sets in. Because the thing on the table is the thing that Roger saw when he went through that door, right? Yeah. And it's a long table with, like, an empty clone vessel Yeah. of mm-hmm. Joanna. Uh-huh. It doesn't have any hair, it's bald, it doesn't have eyes, and it's just laying there motionless. Mm-hmm. So my question is, why does there need to be an empty clone? Because... The beha- it's not like they take their brains out of the bodies and put them into this into these new vessels. They just insert nanochips into their brain. And then when everybody comes to at the end, it's like they're in their regular bodies. Where's this husk that's made for everybody? Yeah. 
Yeah. What? Am I drawing what? that together for you? Frank Oss. <laughs> Frank Oss, explain. If someone knows why, please explain it to me. But I just don't get it. What appears to happen over the next few moments is that Joanna concedes, basically, mm-hmm. to let Walter change her. And they both stand on that platform as it lowers down into the floor, and they're staring into each other's eyes as close as you and I are now. Uh-huh. Joanna's crying, but she almost seems happy. Yeah. It's very, very strange. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> and Walter's just like, oh, man. Yeah. Have I made a critical error? And the answer would be yes. <laughs> the answer would be 100%, 159%, 80 yes. But don't worry, the movie's not over. Because we're in a grocery store. And we're seeing all of the, quote, wives. I'm saying, quote, wives, because Roger's also there. (laughs) They're shopping. And Nicole Kidman comes around the corner, and she looks just like she did in that portrait. She's no longer Joanna. She's Joanna. (laughs) That makes so much sense. Yeah. Just with the long blonde hair and that floral dress. She's just another shopper. Right? Yeah. We accept her, one of us. We accept her, one of us. And we cut to a black tie event at the Men's Association. I guess it's supposed to be a party to welcome all of the new citizens. Mm-hmm. How long have they been there? Yeah, it, I, I'm not, you're right. The timeline is not, 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 not clear. Tonight is truly the highlight of our year because tonight we honor our very newest citizens of Stepford. In my opinion, they are the cream of the crop and couple that proudly proclaims Stepford, the American way of love. All of the men are in tuxedos and the women are wearing the chiffon ball gowns mm-hmm. and the fancy jewelry. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Joanna enters with Walter. I cannot stop laughing about how much taller she is than him. It is funny. It's funny. It's noticeably funny. Not because I think that it's inherently funny to be shorter than your wife, but because I know Walter's character would be bothered by it. Mm -hmm. Like, they changed everything else about her. They couldn't, like, take her calves out or something. (laughs) Make her a little... Her shins. Make her a little shorter. Everyone starts waltzing to the music from this opening title. Right? Mm-hmm. The, ah, ah. And this is where I have a fabulous piece of trivia for you. This film was choreographed by none other than Patricia Birch. What? <laughs> so all the chicka 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 she was probably directly responsible for that. What? <laughs> Pat. <laughs> Pat. <laughs> Is that the Pat alarm? Yes. My God, Pat. I just love it because Pat Patricia Birch directed Grease 2. Yeah, yeah, you know, I know. <laughs> Go back and listen to the Grease 2 episode, guys. Yeah, it's- you'll understand why I'm, <laughs> I'm Moni Groney over here about Pat. Walter offers Joanna to Mike for a dance. Mm-hmm. Offers her to him. Yes. While he slips away. And this is where Walter barely redeems himself. And I do mean barely. Because he goes down to the laboratory where he where all the transformations take place. 
and he starts trying to reverse what's happened to the women. It keeps cutting back and forth between the lab and the party. Walter is literally button mashing. Yeah. Trying to get this to work. And he's 404 erroring everybody at the <laughs> at the event. Begin nano reversal. Begin nano reversal. Nano reversal completed. Deleting Stepford program. The first person he reverses is Sarah Fakes Orgasm Sunderson. Yes. She literally just goes rigid at the party as the nanotechnology fails. And then, Ross, the shitty look that she gives her husband Uh when she comes to. It's everything. I'm sure Tim McGraw knows exactly what that look means. It means you better put a country mile between you and her. All of the women start coming to and realizing what's happened to them. I love how I love how when Roger snaps out of it, the first thing he does is look down at himself and go, What am I wearing? <laughs> Again with the gay stereotypes. The purse. Pick that purse up, put it back in your mouth, girl. <laughs> I love how the men are completely helpless. Yeah. <laughs> like, they look scared. They look positively terrified. Because their wives have their brains back. Yeah. Men, control your wives. Control your wives. And again, the nanotechnology literally just reversed inside their head. So why do they need a carcass? Yeah, I don't I still don't understand it. Someone please explain it to me. I never see the you never see the carcass again after that. So I mean, yeah. I don't get it. The wives literally corral the husbands like scared cattle and they're all shouting like children, "Mike! Mike!" They literally don't know what to do. Yeah. What's happening? I was in the garden and I was dreaming of your your smile and your aftershave. Then I realized I can do better. This is where Walter interrupts the calamity to explain what has happened. Yeah. You've been duped, assholes. Because Joanna was never a robot. Yeah. Walt. She's not a robot. What? 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 She's not a robot. She never was. I couldn't do it. Why not? Because she's not a science project. Because I didn't marry something from Radio Shack. That's a shame. No. That's a man. Couldn't do it. They he, worked on it together. He couldn't do it to somebody he loved. And I, this is my favorite line. Because Mike goes, that's a shame. And then Joanna looks at him and goes, no. That's a man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Mike's having none of this. I honest to goodness don't know what his plan was because he grabs a candlestick like he's going to murder Walter in front of a hundred witnesses. Yeah. And Joanna picks up an even bigger candlestick and takes a huge swing with it. Don't you touch her! Guys? She knocks Christopher Walken's head off his shoulders. To reveal circuits and wires. And because Mike is also a robot. 
honest to goodness, when I first saw this, I did not see this coming. The fact that Mike is a robot and the real mastermind behind Stepford is Claire. <laughs> yeah, Glenn Close. Yeah. Because she gets down on her hands and knees and begins to sob. And and here's where the plot thickens. Mm-hmm. All of this, Mike, the wives, Stepford, this, this was all your idea? Yes. All I wanted was a better world. A world where men were men and women were cherished and lovely. Does anyone have a screwdriver? <laughs> justification for all this is that she was also a high-powered career woman. And then she came home one day and found her husband, Mike, cheating on her with her, like, little blonde research assistant. She killed them both. Yeah. She, like, does the full Chicago when she's like, Then early the next morning, as I gazed across the breakfast table at their lifeless bodies, I thought, What have I done? But more importantly, what could I do to make the world more beautiful? I had the skills, but I needed help to realize my larger vision. And so I made Mike. What I love about all of this is that the men thought they were getting a sweet deal, but they had no idea that she was going to eventually turn all of them into robots, too. Yeah. Like, she was just like, why didn't you change the men? And she just looks her dead in the eye and goes, that's next. (laughs) and can you believe that we're just now getting to the weirdest part claire electrocutes herself by kissing mike's disembodied head stupid and dies yeah you're insane i'm in love with the walls and a town Six months later, Joanna and Roger and Bobby have all gone on to improve their lives, and they're all on Larry King talking about it. And they, yes, they all have <laughs> wonderful new little lives. Joanna, in the span of six months, has produced a documentary and released a documentary about what happened in Stepford. Which I'm sure was just, I'm sure people ate it up. You think it was the making a murderer of their time? Absolutely. Roger ran for state senate and, and won! won. Awesome. Good for you. Cut Jerry's balls off. Right? That's my vote. Speaking of cutting it off. And Bobby, your ordeal has led to a bestseller. Well, you know, I just can't hold a grudge. So I've written my very first book of poetry, and it's all about hope and communication and the healing power of love. What is it uh, called? Wait until he's asleep, then cut it off. It's a page turner. I cried. (laughs) Joanna and Walter are magically back on track for a happy marriage. Because they know that perfection is impossible and not ideal. That's the real takeaway of this movie for me, though, is that perfection in relationships is not only impossible, but also worthless. Yeah. Because if you're perfect, you have no room to grow. So you can you can never be better. You can never be different. And part of the reason that we attach ourselves to other people in monogamous relationships in the first place is because that person makes you want to be a better person. I'm sure that there are enough people out there that know that perfect can get boring. Exactly. And perfect can turn into resentment. Exactly. Even more resentment. 
We kind of touched on this sentiment once before when we did Shrek, talking about how true love is never perfect. But this is more about the fact that marriage is never perfect. Mm -hmm. No one's marriage is easy. No one's marriage is perfect. Even the people who look like they've got it down to a science. (laughs) (laughs) They had it down to a fucking amusement park attraction is what they did. (laughs) Like, my God. They did have it down to a science. Robotic science. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't I fire you three weeks ago? Oh, my God. What happens to all the men in Stepford? Oh, yeah. (laughs) The trio closes the movie for us by telling Larry King that all of the men are still in Stepford on house arrest. Yeah. Being forced into the same domestic slavery that they tried to imprison their wives in. It's an ending that makes zero sense. I don't care at all. Because the last thing we get is John Lovett's... Hey, you guys... Which aisle is quilted paper towels? If I don't get the right kind, my wife's gonna kill me. Oh, aisle three. And no I'm... talking, keep shopping. I think one thing this film does, because it's still two thousand four. Mm-hmm. I think this movie makes its point, but I think it still does so. In a way that caters to male humor? You think so? You know what I mean? Like, I think that at the end of it all, oh, yeah, men are, like, it makes its point of men are really horrible and systemically oppress women and have done over centuries. But And and then they kind of get a slap on the wrist for it. Yeah, they're just magically forgiven. (laughs) Like the goddamn Malfoys. (laughs) Or the Von Tussles. Or the Von Tussles. They're just getting magically forgiven at the end. And you're not here for that. No! I want justice! Uh, <laughs> you want them all to be made into I robots? I want them hollowed out and <gasps> made into carcasses. Oh my god! Like, cause like, yeah. Oh yeah, look at all that horrible, really fucking to the core horrible shit we just did. Right? But like, oh, we're all joking about it at the end. <laughs> you're right. We're the punchline. Exactly. We had our cake and ate it too. Because again... Not only is it still funny to men in that sense, but I also think that because it's 2004, because third wave feminism was in its full swing, that kind of feminism only caters to white women and doesn't consider women of color or the trans community. When I was a teenager, when it came out, this was the movie that kind of like flipped the switch in my head and made me go, wait a minute, is that right? Yeah. Like, am I thinking about this correctly? Mm -hmm. And it still would be 10 years before I was a full-fledged feminist. But this was like the little seed, like the little nugget Mm -hmm. that made me start questioning things. I never seen this movie before this year. That's right. (laughs) I just showed it to you You, recently. You showed it to me mere weeks ago. And um, I like it. I really like it. Um I was hesitant at first, but then you showed me the trailer and I was sold. (laughs) My little head was exploding the entire time with all of the fried ass shit that takes place in this movie and all of the really acclaimed actors that have to do it all. Right? And I think it's a lot of fun. I think it makes its point. And I think it's just, I think it's a, I think it's a very particular gem. Of early millennial film. Yeah, I think that when we go back, like, maybe 15 or 20 years from now, and we go back and we 
look at the cultural of how movies express certain aspects of our culture. Satire though it may be, I think this is definitely going to be a conversation piece in that larger discussion. It has a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. You know what? Fuck Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) And normally I'm like, Rotten Tomatoes is on the ball. This movie's hysterical. Oh, that's it, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> that is it. November's almost over. Oh, God. 2020. Right? It's coming up. I never thought it would be 2010. <laughs> you never thought you'd get there? Wow. Has it sure been a decade? <laughs> it's been a wild decade. Oh. Try to brighten up, though, because Christmas season is upon us. Yes. The holiday season, whatever your religion. So, yeah, it's going to be a holiday movie. The Muppets Christmas Carol. The, I'm sorry. I'm excited. The first movie I ever saw Michael Caine in. We're going to have so much fun. I. It is It is one of the best. Like, lots of people, Hocus Pocus is the movie they have to watch at Halloween. Guys, Muppets Christmas Carol. You have to watch Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah, that's the movie that I have to watch at Christmas time. Not only is it already a great story in its own right. Right. But... It's the Muppets. I mean, whenever the Muppets does anything. Oh, God. Is Frank coming back next week? Guys, we can't keep Frank away. Frank Oz is coming back next week. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So in the meantime, guys, go over to Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. Why don't you go ahead and do that now? Okay? (laughs) I know you've got some... I know you've probably got things to say about this episode. Go and tell us. Okay? And the best gift you could give us is sharing our podcast with someone you love. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, Mom. Gothic news, gothic news, gothic news.